Here at Doxadeo Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Exciting friends, it's the last term of the year. Whoop! <clears throat> and uh, some of you are already deep in tests and exams in life and everything. But I want to say, pace yourself. We've got a lot to see still to do for the Lord in this few months that's ahead of us. And it's going to be quick and it's going to be over, but it's going to be good. And we're all excited about this term. One specific thing I want to quickly draw your attention to is in two weeks time, we're having our Supersize Sunday. It's our yearly celebration day. We get the whole church together. The morning we start with a kids production. The evening we come back for a whole night of worship. It's called Worship Unlimited. And after our worship time together, we're going to fellowship and bride together. So as a staff, we decided we're going to bless you with some side dishes that evening. So we want you to quickly fill in. You'll see that there will be clipboards going through. Quickly fill in if you're going to join us that evening for a braai so that we can prepare side dishes and fires for you because we're going to be, you know, burning a few things on this um, grounds that evening and we want to do it with you. So you can bring your own meat, your own cold drinks and um, maybe your own um, cutlery, but the rest of the stuff will be sorted for you and we're going to be having a lot of fun on that evening. Are you excited with me? Lovely. And thanks for the crew that will be sending those boards around. Um, thanks. Great stuff, friends. We are kicking off with a brand new series tonight. We call Five Ways to Rule in Life. Five Ways to Rule in Life. We find ourselves sometimes at a place where our lives are a bit in chaos. What comes to mind when I say the word chaos? What comes to mind in your life? What is in chaos right now? Be honest. Your desktop. If you have a desktop. <laughs> your gallery folder on your phone. It's chaos in there. Give me some examples. Your room. Anyone who wants to be willing to be very vulnerable in front of all of us. My room. My car is a mess at this moment. Be honest. My life is a mess. No, don't put up your hand. No, just joking, you can. <laughs> if I say the word chaos, what comes to mind in your life? That one cupboard, I mean, even the perfectionist among us has got a cupboard that is in chaos. Amen? Ladies, I'm not going to pick on you tonight, but... So I secretly confiscated a handbag from one of our staff members, Alri, and said, I'm going to just use a handbag as an illustration. But let's see what's in here. <laughs> Let me just quickly check it before I take it out. Nail cream, ladies. I just want to say this is in one bag. Sanitizer. It's not deodorant. <laughs> What in the world is this? <laughs> a tap thingy from a host pipe. Elri, <laughs> is everything okay there? <laughs> what is this? Oh, my hat. Shopping bag. Yes. <laughs> Last thing for the night. Some 
freaky QR code for back to school. She's a mom. Ladies, your handbag is maybe the culmination of chaos in your life. Anyone who wants to resonate with that tonight? Yes. And all the husband says yes. Ladies, another place of chaos in your life maybe, or maybe in the house that you grew up with is what? The Tupperware cupboard. I brought a photo for you. I mean, where the flip is all the lids? Where are the lids? One day in hell, there will be like this small, not a small, a big cupboard with all the lids that went missing in life. Who of you desire a Tupperware cupboard like this? Yes. I mean, even if you only have like two Tupperware, your cupboard looks like the previous one. Okay. Let's cross over to the men quickly. Men, I know some of you don't own a garage, but it's already present in your room at this moment. The signs. That is your future, my boy. Clean up. <laughs> I brought a picture of my garage so that you can see how organized I am. <laughs> that is a lie. That is a lie. I mean, two days in my holiday, I am so frustrated by my garage because it's a mess. I want to bring order to that thing. It's in chaos. Men, also, you're in your future, is a garden like this. <laughs> and your wife is like, no, we can't invite people anymore because they can't see where we live. And then you take a Saturday, you sort it out, and then it looks like this afterwards. <laughs> Hashtag life goals, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest, all of us, or at some point in life, irritated and frustrated by chaos. Something in us is saying, I want to take ownership. I want to take rulership of a piece of chaos in my life. And I, will, I want to bring order to that specific thing or place or room in my life. You see, God created us that way, friends. You are created to rule. You are created to bring order in chaos. That is exactly what God did when he created the world in Genesis 1. He said the following, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. God created the heavens and the earth, but it was still in chaos. It wasn't evil. It wasn't bad. It was just in disorder. And when I say the word chaos, sometimes we immediately go to the place of like moral evil or um, the municipalities are decaying in Bloemfontein. Wherever your mind goes, sometimes it's just a thing of disorder. And what happened in this specific moment in creation is there was heaven and an earth, but it was still formless. It was void. It was, it was full of water and God spoke and he turned chaos into cosmos. He brought life from chaos. 
You and I are created to do exactly that. And that's God's story up until today. He's busy with that. Revelation says it's going to end like that. God is making all things new. He's bringing order in the chaos of our lives. And that's also the story of the narrative of the Bible. Take uh, poor Noah. He built a boat to get some people out of the chaos of that specific moment. The Israelites from Egypt to the promised land, from a world of chaos to order and life. That is the story, the narrative of God. And he calls us to be part of that. Genesis 1 verse 28, one of the most important scriptures that you will ever hear. God blessed them, that's Adam and Eve, and said to them, be fruitful, amen, and increase in numbers, Yanru, and fill the earth (laughs) and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God made you to subdue life, to bring order out of chaos. The word subdue means to rule, to actively bring order, to prevent chaotic conditions, to be a caretaker of life. But let's be honest for a moment. When I say that, something within most of us at this moment goes like, I know this, Eugene, but it's not a reality in my life. I wish I could open up the curtain of my life for a moment so that you can come and see the chaos in my life at the moment. My studies, my relationships, my mental health, my family relationships, my personal hygiene. (laughs) Men, it's getting hotter, you must shower, all right? (laughs) Feels like I'm a dad tonight. I need to, you know, teach you life skills. Okay. Something within us is saying, yes, I know I should bring order, I know I should make up my bed, but I struggle to bring order into my life. And that's why we're doing this series, is to give you practical tools, to give you practical handles on how to rule in life. These are not laws to follow, like spiritual or religious laws. No, it's by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have been set free. But God created the world to work in a certain way. He put nature laws in place. He puts spiritual laws in place. And if we discover that in relationship with him, these things are so valuable, they bring freedom in our lives. They bring order in our lives. It's through relationship with Jesus that we find order. So we're going to speak about five things in your life. And you can put those five topics up for me so that you can follow for the rest of um, October and a bit into November. The first thing that we're going to speak about is this. If I want to live in a life of rulership, I have to be submitted to His rule, to the rulership of Jesus in my life. I should live under God's rule. That's the first way to rule in life. The second, oh, that's an Afrikaans one, but it's also fine. (laughs) The second one is, I should live from a place of rest from a place of being rested in God, in eternal rest. Third one, I need to 
be connected to others, to live in relationship with other people in my life. I shouldn't live an isolated, individualistic kind of life. Week number four, live with healthy boundaries, the yeses and the noes of life. How do I get it right to say yes to the right things and no to the right things? And the fifth one is how to live outwardly, to live generously with my life, with my relationships, with my finances, with everything that I have, to live an outward kind of life. But tonight we're speaking on this thing, to live under God's rule. If you want to rule, the first rule is to live under His rule. Let me start by saying this. I grew up on a bit of a, a small farm. So we had animals. I mean, any animal that you can think of. Donkeys, horses, chickens, fish, cats, dogs, name it, ducks. Every, they were not in a row, but we had them. <laughs> That's why I don't have animals at my place today. Because I had too much, too many in my life. And I had to bury all of them, you know. I'm a sensitive guy. <laughs> But we had a, a specific sheep. We called him Rammels. He had, I am very sure of it, a demon in him. Because all of the other sheep would go in this direction and he would go in that direction. All of the sheep would eat there and he would go and eat there. He was a bit of a hard-headed sheep. We called him Rammels. And I always thought that he had a bit of goat spirit in him. Bokgeus, boat, boat, goat spirit. Goat spirit in him. Do you know that is exactly the thing in our lives? Human beings has got this flaw in us. We want to live independent from God. We don't want to live under his rulership. We want to make the calls on our own. We want to be independent. We want to be free. A very famous poem, Invictus, ends off by saying, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. <laughs> Listen to Isaiah 53 verse 6. He says the following, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. All of us are a bit like Rammels. We want to go our own way. We want to live independent from God. If you go and drill deep down in my sinful heart, you would discover that I don't want to live in dependence. I don't want to live in submission to God's rule. Last week, we had an incredible moment with some of our best friends and we were uh, going with the three boys just to say, people don't invite you anymore if you have three boys to stuff. So if they do, you go. Because you see it a privilege that they are actually willing to take you and your three boys and your wife into their space. <laughs> it's a lot. You have to have a separate table for us ready if we come to your place. So we were chilling there and my, I heard my eldest boy I'm playing there with a bit of Lego. And my mother-in-law always says, children keeps you common. <laughs> and that's true. So I hear they are playing there and the lady of the house says to him, listen here, 
Um, before we play with something else, we should just pack up the Lego first and then you can play with whatever. And I'm sitting around the corner and I hear him say to her, that's a stupid rule. We don't have that rule in our house. The good father that I am thought to myself, how am I going to handle this? Just when you think you arrive in life, your kid comes and just helps you to understand. You don't have rules. I thought we had. <laughs> so obviously we sorted it out at home and whatever. But deep down in all of our hearts is that thing. This is a stupid rule. I don't like to submit under authority. And that is the biggest challenge when we speak about living under God's rule. One of the very famous atheists in South Africa, and I actually follow this guy because I want to understand where he comes from. He said the following about God. He said, God is about control, limitation, rules, laws, and rituals that restrict and govern behavior. A life without God thus offers freedom. It offers a person the opportunity to do what they like in line with their own moral code. Many people live like that at the moment and you sometimes look at your friends that are not of the Christian faith and you think to them, to yourself, why do they have it so easy? It looks like they are living in freedom. They can do what they like. I, on the other hand, have to submit under God and under His rulership and it seems so difficult and it seems so tiresome. Why can't I just live like them, free, express myself, do what I like? It's because of this thing, friends. It seems like to live outside of God's rule, it seems like you are free and you're not restricted and not controlled and not limited. But let me tell you, that none of us can live without a God. As human beings, Phoebe sent it to me a word. She sent it to me to say, man is created to worship God. Yes, you are created to worship. You, can, you cannot not submit under a God. The question is just, Who's your God or what is your God? What does it mean to have a God? It means that something or someone has been elevated in my life to the place of most importance and of most significance in my life. Yes, for some it is pagan gods. For some it's the sense of self. My identity becomes my God. The search for identity. For some of us, it's more destructive things. For some of us, it's the good things in life that become God things. But here's the crazy thing. When you put something above God in your life, it brings about a life of chaos, a life of pain. That's why we're speaking about this tonight, because we are created to worship and serve God and we are created to rule over this life, to rule things, to rule people. We are created by His authority to rule. But then Paul reminds us in Romans 1 verse 22, he says the following, Although they claim to be wise, 
they became fools. And then he's explaining what went wrong in all of our lives. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Remember, he's speaking into the context of the Greco-Roman world and he's saying to them, friends, you have lost God. You have put something else above him that is man-made. For those people, it was temples, monuments of snakes and perfect bodies or whatever. It was a symbol of putting something else above God's rulership in our lives. And the moment that happens, we are created to worship God and rule things, but now we worship things and then we are ruled by them. Psalm 106 saying, David writes, he says, they worship their idols, which became a snare to them. It took hold of them. You become a slave of what you worship. You become what you worship. The moment something else is above God in your life, it strips you of power. It strips you of that dominion that God has given you. It brings spiritual blindness to your life. You, you become blinded by the truth of God. You live in a web of lies. You are constantly struggling to find truth and lies and truth and lies and navigate yourself in that and you lose the sense of I actually need God. You become a slave of what you worship. You lose your freedom. You lose the capacity to choose, to love, to enjoy. When last did you enjoy something so much that you could just burst, you know? <laughs> you see, when God is God, all of the good things in life, they are good. They are enjoyable. They are beautiful. If those things become God, they destroy you. They bring death into your life. What are some of the idols in your life? Let's be honest for a moment. As I was preparing this sermon, I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to preach on it, I should actually share then my idols with you. Otherwise, you won't believe me. So here I go. If you want to record it, record it. <laughs> Don't send it to your mother. She would advise you to please go to another church. I'm going to share some of the things that I have discovered in my walk with God that has become idols in my life. That has been put above the importance of God. And maybe some of that will resonate with you or maybe you would say, no, nothing of that is an issue in my life. I've got another few. And here we're not speaking about addictions, people. Addictions are physical addictions. We're speaking about spiritual idols. Things that you have placed to the greatest, at the greatest importance of your life. Let me read you some of mine. Life has meaning only and I only have value if I am loved and respected by other people. I call that one the acceptance idol. 
Life has meaning only and I only have value if I am highly effective and get a lot of stuff done. That's called the working idol. Life has meaning only and I only have value if I get noticed for my accomplishments and success. It's called the performance idol. Life has meaning only and, uh, and I only have value if my race and culture are seen as superior to others. It's called the racial idol. Life has meaning only and I only have value if my family are happy and they are happy with me. It's called the family idol. Life has meaning only, I only have value if I look and dress a certain way. It's body image idol. Life is only, has meaning only and I only have value if there is a specific person in love with me. It's called the romance idol. What are the things in your life that is sitting on the throne of your heart at this moment? You see, we can only rule in life if we recognize God's rule first in our lives. The Ten Commandments is such a beautiful picture of this. And sometimes we don't read the Ten Commandments anymore because we, that is most in the past, you know. But we have to understand, yes, God came to fulfill the Ten Commandments. Praise Jesus for that. But something of the heart of God is written in these words that is still applicable for us today. It's the love letters of God to His people. And He's saying the following to them. Exodus 20 verse 3 to 6. And listen here, if I read it and something negative pops into, pops into your mind, it's probably not God's fault. It's probably your perspective on, what God, on who God is. Because he's saying the following, Exodus 20 verse 3 to 6. He's saying, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or above or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. And thank Jesus, we know that that curse or that punishment for our sin has been laid on him on the cross. But now when God is your God first and foremost, the promise that he gives is you will receive my love. You will live in my love. What does it mean to submit under God's rule? It's to live in his love. I see this, these 10 things as a dad coming to his kids and say, boy, listen. If you want to feel the fullness and experience the fullness of joy that is within my love, make sure that I'm your first priority, that you have no other things above me. And the word says, God is a jealous God. The moment I read that, negative connotations, I see them. You see, we think jealousy works like this in a marriage or in a relationship. I'm jealous because this guy is flirting with my lady. You know, that is actually just a, <laughs> it's a bit of a showcase of your own insecurity. 
Or maybe you are jealous of what someone else has. It's something that you don't have, now you're jealous of it. The jealousy of God doesn't work like that. God is not jealous about something that he, he does not have. He's jealous about something that he has, your life. He's saying there's something else pulling you away. He's not insecure. He's not saying, well, I feel threatened by this. No, he's saying it's not good for you. I know better, come, put me first again. It's a snare, my child. It's taking you away from the best that I have for you. That's what idols do. And God's saying, I want to show you the fullness of my love. But for that to happen, put me first. Don't bring something else to the place of most importance and significance in your life. How does that work practically, friends? Let's not speak too philosophical tonight. Let's make it very, very, very practical tonight. It means simply this. The moment I read some of those idols, I could see the guilt on your faces. And that is the wrong response. Sorry. Rechtig. You know what the right response should be? You should thank God that is revealing to you that there is something else that is more important in your life than Him. And you should rejoice and say, thank you, Holy Spirit, that I actually see it now. I'm not blinded by it anymore. So what I do is I come and submit it at your feet. I take it down from the throne of my heart and I say, you are first in my life. I lay it down at your feet. I submit my heart to your rulership again. Jesus says in Matthew 6 verse 33, he says the following, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying, whenever you think about your life, think first the kingdom of God, what is important to God and righteousness, your right standing in God. Don't see your life as just removed from relationship with him, trying to get near to him. See your life as being founded in Christ Jesus. You are righteous in him. Let's make it so practical. Let's take, for instance, the thing of decision-making. Who of you need to make decisions every day of your life? Is there anyone who's, who's got someone that makes decisions for you? You are blessed, really. Yeah, those, those moments where you come to someone and say, I don't make good decisions in my life. You make it for me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe you need to make decisions in your life. And the crazy thing about decisions, it can lead to chaos or to life. Every decision that you make can lead to chaos or lead to life. Under the rulership of God, what does it mean to make decisions under his rule and reign? Should I move to a new city? Should I marry this person? Should I get kids one day? What should I study? Should I stop my studies or start my studies again? Should I buy a house now? Should I take a new job? Should I buy a car? Whatever the decision in your life. You know what our natural inclination is? Is to say, well, I need to make this decision my kingdom first. What do I want? What is important to me? You see, that's the idol speaking. 
When you live under God's rulership, you say, what, what is his idea? What is his mind? What does he, his kingdom and his words say about this decision? You see, sometimes we are so afraid to ask God what he thinks because we are so afraid that he's going to limit or restrict our options. <laughs> you say, Lord, yes, answer my prayer, but only I've got, I've got a few options, one, two, and three. And not three, really, only one and two. Okay, just one, okay? Lord, just give me that. <laughs> Wrong way of making decisions. Or you may ask, Lord, give me a sign. If I drive past the varsity and they make the billboard red, I know this is a sign. You know, when we seek signs, we're actually distrusting the heart of God. We're thinking that His provision and His providence in our lives is a code to decipher. He's going to give me a sign, you know. He's a magician, you know. I must just look out for them. So I'm looking out for signs and wonders. And I'm wondering where are the signs. <laughs> or you're waiting for some inclination, you know, in your heart or impression in your heart to say, yes, I feel, wait. Wooza, yes, let's go. <laughs> I'm in line, puppy. You know, yes, God works with impressions on your heart, definitely, but the devil does also and your own heart as well. Don't trust them. <laughs> what do you trust when you make decisions? You trust the word of God. You actually need to read his word about whatever decision you are making. You need to go and find the jewels of his heart before you make a decision. You speak then to God about what you have discovered about his word because he wants to maybe come and change your heart. So prayer, word, prayer, and then it's never a good idea to just take that what you read and that what you have prayed and just do it. You always test it with trustworthy, mature Christians around you and say, listen here, I've got this decision that I need to make in your community group or with a trusted friend and you're saying to them, listen here, I want to make this decision not with my own kingdom in mind, I want to make it as a son of God and put his kingdom and his righteousness first. Help me to do it. I've read a scripture on this. I've prayed about it. I've spoken to God about this thing. And this is what I think. What do you guys think? And Proverbs says, there's wisdom in the counsel of many. God places wisdom in the hands of normal people like us. Help people decide what it means to live under his rulership. And you test it. Go to your community group leader and say, listen here, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? Sometimes we go for affirmation and we say, I've already actually just made the decision. I just want you to agree with me. That's not good decision making. Decision making is saying, Lord, I'm so open for what you want to do because I want to put your kingdom first. I want to put you first. You see, what, what are influencing your decisions at the moment? Past experiences, personal beliefs, fears, ambitions, other people, media, expectations, peer pressure, family ideals, new opportunities, you name it. When we live under the rule of God, we, we come to a decision and say, God, I silence all of these other voices, even my mom. And I want to listen to your heart first.
then I'm going to act on it. I'm going to go to your word. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to test it with other people in the community. And yes, your mom is maybe not a bad option with that. <laughs> but I'm going to test it. And then I'm going to make this decision in faith. You see, sometimes to live under God's rule is so, you know, pie in the sky vibes. It's so simple, friends. You submit your life under his rule. Maybe the worship team can join me. We're going to sing a last song, but I want to ask you a question. Are you sometimes in your life going to make a decision or going to put something else above God in your life? Yes, you are. We are human. We make mistakes. But it's so amazing that we can come to the Father. We can come to the Son. We can come to the Spirit and say, Lord, thank you for showing that to me. And for my life to make sense, for my life to be in order, I first need to submit my heart under your rule. There are many moments in my marriage where I know I'm choosing something else above my kids and my wife. But that is not definitive. I can go and actually confess that to them and say, listen here, I've made a mistake. Something else took up your space and your importance in my life. I'm sorry. I want to put you first again. It's the same in our relationship with God. Don't come and make this big deal of it. Just say to your dad, Father, I've put something above you. And tonight, I want to come and align my heart with your rulership again. We have communion tables ready. I think there are four tables in the back and front. And we want to take communion together because Jesus says, do communion in remembrance of me. When you take the juice and you take the bread, it's that moment where you say, Lord, you are first. You poured out your blood. You gave your life so that I can have life. And Lord, tonight I remind myself, that's why Jesus said, do it in remembrance, because we forget. I remind myself that you are first. I remind myself that you are on the throne of my life. You are at the place of most importance and significance in my life. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you, and then we're going to do to communion together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as a family tonight, we come before you and we submit our hearts to you. And God, we pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit and show us the idols that we have placed above you in our lives. And that you would come and break down those idols in our lives and bring yourself again to the place of most importance. And God, we submit to that tonight. We surrender, we bow our knee before you and say, God, before we can rule in life, we want to be ruled by you, Jesus. May your love guide us. May your love flow through us. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.